So the first reading we have today is from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. You see, just, as, just at, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And our second reading comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search a time and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I also said to myself, As for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Well, again, happy Mother's Day. I, um, I love Mother's Day, even though, to be honest, it's, it's a bit bittersweet for me. I love it because when I think of my mama, it makes me smile 
all my sisters thought that I was the favourite, um, my younger sister especially. She, she always says whenever mum would get me in trouble, I had this way of being able to make her laugh so that in the end I didn't actually get in trouble at all and I could get away with anything. I also love Mother's Day because when I think of my wife becoming a mum, it makes me smile as well. Watching Kathy as a mum become a mum and then across the seasons of life has been a, a joy. I've got four kids and I, I can't believe the oldest is 15 now. But I, I love watching the way they make Mother's Day special with all the cooking and the gifts and the craft. Watching my wife, um, I can see that being a mum, it's not always easy. But there's something beautiful about the commitment that mums have for their kids. You know, there's something powerful about that love that shapes children, that cares for them no matter what. So I love Mother's Day. But Mother's Day is also a sad time for me. It's sad because my mum died when I was 20. And now I've I've realised I've actually lived more of my life without her than with her. And I, I, there's lots of things that I can't even remember anymore. And my dad, he's great. But when you ask him questions like, um, you know, what age did I walk at? Or what kind of teenager was I? Or what did you do when I was having trouble with friends at school? He just kind of gives you this look. And you soon realise that he's kind of rolled all of his kids into one blurry haze somewhere in the dim past. I'm sure mum would have remembered. She would have been able to remember. And that's just one way I feel her loss. So Mother's Day for me, and I know for many of you here today, it's sweet and yet it's bitter. But life is like that. I'm often struck by just how amazingly wonderful life is. And then I can be struck very soon afterwards with just how amazingly painful and terrible life can be for people and of course the sweeter something is in your life the more bitter the loss of it can be today we come to a part of the bible that that's all about the bitter and the sweet it's all about the the beauty of time and the changing seasons of life but at the same time it's also about the tyranny of time and the burden of the changing seasons This is our first point from what was read just before. There's a beauty and there's a tyranny to time. In this ancient book in the Bible, 3,000 years old, the writer is desperately seeking for meaning in life. He has everything you could imagine. He has money, he has power, he has opportunity, he has celebrity. And with all these things, he tries to find the secret to lasting meaning in this life. And what he does is is he takes God out of the picture and he goes looking for meaning in all the typical places. Places like money, like alcohol, like sex, like career. And he tests each one of these things to find lasting meaning. And he condenses down in, in 12 chapters in this short book what many of us would try over a lifetime. But at every turn, what he finds is that meaning doesn't last. Just when he he manages to find it and reach out for it to grab it, it's like it evaporates and it slips through his fingers. There's no way to nail it down. And one of the reasons for this, he tells us, is because you can't nail down time. Listen again to 
how the writer starts this chapter. He writes, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. Do you notice the the rhythm of this? There's, There's a beauty to this. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a beauty and a rhythm, but there's also a tyranny. Verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a sense that we dance to the rhythm of a drum that, that we don't get to beat. Life swings between good times and bad times and everything in between, but we have far less control over the changing of the seasons than we might think. It's kind of like we're a boat adrift on the sea without a rudder or sails or any effective way to take control of our destiny. It's like we can reach over the sides and kind of paddle with our hands, but when a big enough wave comes along, there's nothing really we we can do. We're, We're going to go with it, whether we want to or not. Have you found life to be like this? You know, have you found like in life it feels like you can paddle over the sides, but still... There are so many seasons that are just forced on us. The job that we were so thrilled to get becomes a season of working day in, day out in drudgery. The marriage that we chose so willingly, so happily, can become a season of hard work or a season that comes to a tragic end. The children that that we desperately wanted can carry us into a season of exhaustion or of self-doubt, a time that, that holds up a mirror to us and reflects back feelings of inadequacy. And even if it all goes amazing, we're the most wonderful parents ever, still seasons pass, things change, they leave. And then sometimes in life we find ourselves in seasons we'd never even imagined like we find ourselves putting our parents into nursing homes, having to make basic, humiliating decisions on their behalf. The seasons of life, they're not really in our control. And there's a beauty to that, in a way, but there's a tyranny. And the writer says the end result of all of this is that it puts on you a burden, while at the same time it takes away from you the ability to find meaning in a way that will last. And as if all that isn't heavy enough, he tops it all off by saying that there's one season in life that we just can't ride out. Verse 19, he says, Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over the animals. And so he concludes, everything is meaningless. Now this feels really stark to us, really stark. But just go with him for a a bit. Because what he's saying is that if you remove God from the picture, if you just consider things coldly, objectively, as a whole, with all its beauty and all its tyranny... What does it finally amount to in the end? As time rolls on and on, what are you left with in life that just can't be swept away? I remember someone saying to me, 
but I'll live on in the memories of my children, they said. That was what couldn't be swept away. Living on in the memories of my children. Which sounds like a nice thought, but as time goes by, it's not so comforting. I was thinking about it. I can't even remember my great-grandparents' names. Couldn't tell you anything about their character or their dreams. Time and death are cruel. And the writer comes to the same conclusion again and again across this tiring book. Everything is meaningless. And it's not that he's entered a depressed state like we might be familiar with, where he can't see reality properly. It's not that he can't feel any happiness at all from the good things in life. It's the opposite, in fact. And, And this brings us to our second point, where he basically says to us, visit the past and the future, but live in the moment. So what the writer says we should do is enjoy the things in front of us while we try to do good. Now, this is good advice, and it's advice that people who don't believe in God can benefit from as well as people who do. But make no mistake, this doesn't give life meaning. There's only so far that this advice will get you. Some people want to run with this as the key to life, as the key to meaning. Find meaning in the moment. But that's not what the writer is saying here. What he says, when he says there's, there's nothing better, he's not saying this is the answer. He's saying, given what we face in life, this is the best we can do. Later on in, in chapter 9, verse 9, he makes this clear in a brutal way. He says, enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. And yet he says, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days... Living in the moment, it's the best way to live, but even that won't nail down meaning. When you're bending over a bathtub with a a baby who's crying and dinner's burning in the kitchen and the kids are fighting somewhere in the background and your back is hurting, you can tell yourself, cherish this moment, live in the moment. You can tell yourself that all you want, but it's difficult, it's a burden. And it's not where you'll find lasting meaning. When you're at work and it feels repetitive day after day and like it achieves nothing that really matters and lasts and your boss is horrible, you can tell yourself, live in the moment. It's difficult. It's a burden. And it's not where you'll find lasting meaning. If all you have is the advice that you really should try harder to live in the moment and make the most of every day because that's all you've really got then the reality is that that is meaninglessness too. And it will get to you. At times, you'll feel it in your bones. But the writer is actually telling us much more than this across this book. Remember, the writer is saying to us, if you take God out of the picture, everything is meaningless. If all you consider is everything under the sun, but nothing more, then yeah, it's meaningless. But here and there, we see that the writer can't help but bring God back into the picture. He can't help but give us moments where he shows us the difference that God makes. And this brings us to our final point. God designs the whole and he gives us each moment as a gift. God designs the whole and gives us each moment as a gift. Look again at those verses we just looked at. Look again at verse 10. He says, 
I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God holds the whole picture in his view. More than that, God designs the whole. And he makes it beautiful in its time, beautiful in his time. Verse 11 goes on. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We just can't do what God can do. We can sense that there's more to life than the part that we play or the moment that we're in. But we lack the perspective and the control that God has. But here's the thing. When you know that God shapes the whole, and when you know Him, know that you can trust Him with the whole, that actually enables us to live in the moment. But not in a desperate way, trying to make the most of each day, not trying to nail down meaning for ourselves. This is something different. This is about trusting God to nail down meaning for us. Look again at verse 12. He writes, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. And he adds, this is the gift of God. We see this time and time again in this book. Life has meaning when it's lived as a gift from God. We don't have to try and give it meaning. It already has meaning. It's a gift. Let me see if I, I can show you this another way. I've um, just come back, as some of you know, from a week away in the Flinders Ranges. That was my first time up there. And one day we climbed St. Mary Peak, which is about 20 kilometres of, of walking. Now, on the trip, there are many, many kilometres of, of not really seeing all that much. It's quite a slog, actually. But then there are other moments where, where it all opens up and it's just beautiful. One, on the day that we, um, we did the walk, as you can see, there was, there was cloud and, and there was actually mist over the peak. And, and so there were also moments of just swirling grey where that was all you could see. And a lot of the walk is, is spent with your head down trying not to trip over the rocks in front of you. We started at about 8.30am and ended at about 4.30pm. And so it was a day of, that was just a blend of grey and beauty tiredness and wonder, hard work and exhilaration, boring rocky paths and yet awesome rocky peaks as well. It was great and it was also awful. And, and through it all though, we never once had the whole picture, not even at the top. And even if it had have been a, a completely clear day, there's still another perspective that we never would have seen, could never have appreciated on that walk. That's the view from the air. Have you seen it before? It's just mind-blowing. There's no way on that walk that we could have got that perspective. You know, life is like that walk. There's moments of beauty. There's moments of hardship. There's moments of clarity. There's moments of grey. And through it all, God alone sees the big picture. God alone controls the grand picture and we just see the parts and sometimes we see beauty but sometimes we can make no sense of what we're seeing at all and the question is 
Can we trust him to make sense of it? We can't nail down meaning, but we can trust the one who designs the whole. Do we trust him? Let me put it another way. One of the um, highlights for me of the trip was in the Aruna Valley, uh, looking over the same view that Hans Heysen had looked over almost a hundred years earlier. And he, he painted a picture of it, actually. And if you look up close on this picture, it just looks like the most drab and confusing and messy thing that you could ever imagine. But when you, you look at the whole of the painting, it's beautiful. The point is, in this life, we only get to see a very small part of the artwork that God is painting. We only see the part that we're in, what's before us right now. Now, I don't know what season of life you're in right now. Maybe one of beauty, maybe one of really hard times. But God tells you in this part of the Bible that He sees the whole. And more than that, He designs the whole. And you can trust Him to make whatever you're going through, good or bad, into something beautiful in his time. The writer of Ecclesiastes, he, he knew this. He knew that meaning will always slip through our hands, that we won't be able to hold on to it. He knew that the only way for us to hold on to meaning is actually to hold on to God. But we can know this even more powerfully than him because we get to see a, a bit more of the picture than him. We can see that that God doesn't stand back cold and distant to the mess of this world. We can see that God in Jesus comes into the mess of this world in order to make it into something beautiful. We can see that Jesus defeats death on our behalf. He makes death itself meaningless. He dies so that death will not be our end. And he secures meaning for us by being nailed to the cross in our place. We can see that Jesus overcomes death himself and lives forever and goes ahead of us and promises that we will live with him forever too in a time that will forever be a time to plant, to heal, to build, to laugh, to dance, to embrace, to gather. You know, even more than this writer, this ancient writer, we can see that although we can't hold on to meaning just in this life, Jesus can for us. I mentioned at the beginning that, that Mother's Day for many of us and for me is, is a bittersweet day and, and I know that is the case for so many of you have talked to you about it. But it's liberating to know that life is not found in this moment or in the next moment or some past moment, or in some possible future moment. Life and meaning are found in Jesus. And through both the hard times and the beautiful times, He will hold you safe. And even through death, He will hold you safe. Which means we can face each moment knowing He knows its meaning. And He'll use each moment, no matter how dark or difficult or light and wonderful, He'll use it all to make something beautiful. I think it's a huge comfort to know God does nothing in vain. He does nothing in vain, which means nothing is meaningless. 
Now, is that how you live life moment by moment? As a gift, knowing that Jesus will paint whatever you face into something more beautiful than you can ever imagine? Now, if that's not how you live life, can I encourage you to think about making a change? If you've never thought about life this way, can I encourage you to keep thinking about, about it? We're about to start a series in um, Zito Cafe at TTP, which is all about thinking about these kind of things. It's all about looking into life that has meaning with Jesus. And this is worth looking into. Because Jesus doesn't offer you good advice or tell you to try harder or warn you to make the most of every moment because that's all you've really got. Jesus offers you something better. He offers you life and meaning that starts now but goes on forever and ever as a gift. Looking into life which is, is worth it and if you're still not sure about coming along to that, if that's something that where you're at you think would be a good thing to do, I'd love to have the chance to convince you why you'd actually enjoy it if you came along. Come and ask me why I'm so confident that you'd love it. Let me uh, pray for us. Father, we thank you for the picture that you are painting in our lives, in the story of this universe, your story. Lord, we thank you for the wonder that we see in Jesus, that you don't stand cold and distant to the mess of this life, but you enter it in order to end it and to bring a time of ongoing beauty, a time that we can't even imagine, a time that our hearts actually belong to lord help us to know that you hold that whole picture when we can't know what on earth is going on in our lives and in the beautiful times too lord help us to see that this is your picture that you're painting help us to put our trust in jesus and to let him hold meaning for us we pray in his name amen